when we begin a period of intensive training of the heart and mind, as we do when we come on a retreat like this, uh, we take some time now at the beginning of the retreat to set the container of the retreat because you all come from your busy lives, your domestic and civic and social and professional obligations, commitments, activities, and you leave that behind. And you come to this place, this uh, place that's not your home, uh, that you may know some people, but not maybe not most of us, and to do something. And we all have come with some individual, unique to us, sense of uh, need, or purpose, or urgency, or expectation, or aspiration. We all come with our own, why are you here? Different answer, we each have a different answer to that question. Why am I here? And it's good to ask yourself that. Because there'll be times during the retreat where you may forget, what the heck am I doing here? You know? And you'll want to remember what was, uh, what brought you here. But when we come, we, we can be sure of one thing, that we all have some <clears throat> something in common. We have some understanding or some belief that this kind of experience is going to be beneficial to us. We wouldn't do it if we didn't think it was going to be beneficial. Some of us have done retreats in the past, and so we know from that memory there's some benefit that we've kind of projected onto this present moment, which was a future up to tonight. And now we have this expectation. We don't, we don't really need that expectation. That expectation was just enough to get you here. Now you're here. You can let that expectation go. And just invest yourself fully in this uh, experience, trusting that we're all here for something of the same reason. We want some training, we want some guidance, we want some uh, opportunity to look a little deeper, try to understand a little more. And that's the common bond that we all have. And so what I'm going to be offering is my, um, what, I've, what I've learned and what I've practiced and what I've understood about the teachings of the Buddha. And that's not to say that there aren't a lot of other good teachings in the world. There's a lot of good teachings in the world. But my, my particular angle of understanding and experience has been the Buddha's teaching. And so one of the things that we do, uh, I like to kind of just acknowledge that, that uh, I'll be trying to share my understanding of the teachings of the Buddha. Not all of them, but what is necessary to help us in our time here uh, to wake up and to understand what our experience is. There's a lot there. There's a lot that could be said, and that many of you have practiced in other traditions, Buddhist traditions, or even other spiritual traditions of one sort or another, different meditation practices. That's all great. You know, they all have their um, benefits if we practice them sincerely. Um, <clears throat> and I'll be offering something, you know, unique to my my experiences. That's more um, integration of two uh, 
meditative traditions from Burma. Uh, and just invite you to give them a listen and give it a try. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, equally great. Meaning, if you know for yourself, this doesn't work for me, this is not useful for me, this is not helping me wake up or to know myself better, then don't pretend otherwise. You know, it really is a do-it-yourself job. Meaning, the wisdom that we acquire is about ourselves. It's not the wisdom in a book. It's not the wisdom, your wisdom is not, not what I experience. It's what you experience and what your understanding of your experience is. So we want to be able to acknowledge that. On the other hand, you may hear some of the teachings that you go, huh? That's, that's a little counterintuitive. That's not my, that's, that's not how I understand it. <clears throat> and so you have to ask yourself, huh? Am I open to hearing something that I've never heard before? You know, the Buddha said that, uh, you know, to, to hear the teachings of the Buddha, and if you practice the teachings of the Buddha, you will be going against the stream. <clears throat> and what he meant is, you will be practicing an understanding, and coming to realize an understanding, it is against the stream of your conditioning. Your conditioning from this family, your family and your culture and your society and your profession and your economic class and your uh, ethnic background and your gender, gender identification. We're, we're all deeply conditioned by those things and that we just take it for granted. But actually... We need to become aware of all that conditioning. And so you might hear things that kind of go, uh-huh. not what I think, not what I thought, not what I believe, but can you, can you just listen, listen with a, uh, suspend your doubt maybe, and just give it an ear, and then just practice and see for yourself. If it's helpful, great. If it isn't, let it go. <clears throat> but still, I like to take the opportunity to Acknowledge that the teachings I'll be offering is from the Buddha. And when you look at that chant sheet, your chant sheet that you have there, the first few, this first couple of lines is just paying homage to the Buddha as someone who historically has been a pretty uh, special, a kind of unique, a unique individual that we have. Uh, opportunity to learn from. And then, the second part of the chant that we will do to kind of build a continuum retreat is to take refuge. And traditionally, we take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Now, just as an introduction to the refuge, uh, you can come and do the chant and, and just let it be mumbo-jumbo in some foreign language. It's, it's just kind of passing the time today. Or you can make it actually a practice of awareness and 
um, much more than that. So I want to give you some information that might help you to take the refuges uh, as a way of practicing awareness, practicing uh, acknowledging your aspiration, uh, practicing developing uh, confidence in the teachings, in yourself, in each other. I never really uh, took much refuge in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha in my early years of <clears throat> uh, meditation practice. And it wasn't until I've been practicing retreats like this for, for undertaking retreats like this for 10 years before I went to Burma. I went to Burma to do this kind of practice more intensively or more continuously. And when I was there, it was the first time I'd ever been out of the country, out of the U.S. And it was foreign, to say the least. It was really uh, very, very different. The language, the culture, the environment, uh, just the way people lived, the food they ate, everything was foreign to me. And so I was alone. I didn't go with anybody. I just went by myself. And it was, uh, it was a little disorienting. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, you feel vulnerable. You feel vulnerable and you feel like a very, very alone, uh, even though there's lots of people around. Um, you still feel very alone. You feel kind of like you're on thin ice. And I went to the monastery and um, I just, I was there to practice. I wasn't there to be a tourist. I wasn't there to learn the language. I didn't travel around. I didn't do anything. I just went from the airport. Spent a day in Rangoon, looking around, and went to the monastery to, to, to uh, practice. And um, I knew the teacher there. I had met Sayadaw Bandita when he'd come to America the year before, and had practiced with him for uh, three months. And I wanted to go back. I wanted to go practice with him in Asia. So when I got there, I was practicing, and it was rigorous practice. And it was all in a foreign language. I didn't understand anything except what was translated for me. But there was one thing that really stood out in my experience as really helping ground me and give me a lot of confidence and a sense of safety in, uh, in this foreign uh, place and doing this activity. And that was in the morning. Uh, wake up at three o'clock and have a sitting from four to five, and then after the sitting at five o'clock, waiting for the breakfast bell, which was usually rung around 5.30 in the morning. But during that time, I would be outside, just either standing or doing some walking, waiting for the bell to ring to be able to go to breakfast. And during that period of time is when the <coughs> Burmese who were practicing at the monastery would do their chanting of the refuges and precepts, like what we did. And so, <clears throat> up the hill, there was a little hill from where my meditation hall was. There was a little hill, you walk up the hill, and around the corner of a woman's meditation hall was a dining room. So, that woman's meditation hall was the, um, the first group of women to start their chant. And 
this is a big meditation hall, it can handle 12, 1500 women. Sometimes there's only couple hundred, but often there's eight or nine hundred or a thousand or more. And when Burmese women chant the refuges and precepts, they are passionate. Really, really passionate. And they got soul. I mean, I know they don't have any soul, but they, they chant. <laughs> they got soul. And so they would start chanting. And when they chant, they would chant with like this. They would chant the refuges and precepts, and uh, then they would chant a little bit of loving kindness. And they would get, you know, it was a five or eight minute chant or something, and they'd get going, chanting. And then there's, halfway down the hill, there was another two-story building, both women's meditation halls, 500 each. 500 on the top floor, 500 on the bottom floor. And they would start to chant, same chant, but they'd be, you know, 30 seconds behind the first hall, and the top floor would chant, they'd be 10 seconds into it, and then at the bottom, there was a lot of women chanting. And then after the women started chanting, there was a men's hall that could handle about 1,200, and then there was another hall further downhill than me, where there was another 800. So sometimes there was 2,000, 3,000, sometimes even more people chanting the refuge precepts and loving kindness. And what they were expressing is their confidence and their faith and their aspiration and their trust and their heart. I mean, they just were so... Uh, it was hair-raising, really. It was hair-raising. And yet, I got it. It's like they were, they were expressing what I was doing there. Because I had that faith. I had that aspiration. I had that confidence in the Buddhist teachings and in the practice. And it, what it did is it showed me how, or it revealed to me how universal the refuges and precepts are. It's not just for Burmese. It's not just for Buddhists. It's not just for whatever. It's like anybody can have, you know, take refuge in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha if they're so moved. And it's not only universal, it's timeless. Because there have been men and women and monks and nuns and others of all persuasions uh, taking the refuges and precepts for 2,600 years since the time of the Buddha. And so we're definitely not alone. There might be 40, 45 of us here, but we're definitely not alone. We're just joining this long lineage of humanity that has had this quality of heart, of feeling confidence in the teaching of the Buddha, and undertaking the trainings of the precepts. So that really helped me stabilize, and I felt at home. I felt connected. I felt, I mean, I didn't know any of them, I didn't talk to any of them, but I knew we were all doing the same thing, because they were expressing as I was practicing. And it was a great uh, equalizer, if you will. It was a great, it was a welcome embrace in their community. They, had, they just had so much confidence. Anybody that was there kind of got swept up in the jet stream of their confidence and devotion and, and enthusiasm for practice. And it's, it's, it's really, it's the one thing that we can't get here. 
we don't have that quality of faith and enthusiasm. You know, individually, yeah, but I mean to have thousands of people around you. So that was my introduction, really, to understanding uh, the taking of the refuges and precepts for myself and how that could be a uh, practice that really supported the efforts I was making for the other, you know, 20 hours a day practicing. 